Welcome to the People vs. Inequality podcast. In a time of crisis and fast change, this podcast is a space to reflect and learn with changemakers on how to tackle inequality. It is widely recognized that the pandemic and lockdowns led to an increase in poverty and inequality, but also that people showed incredible resilience and agency in responding to difficult and rapidly changing circumstances. For this series, we teamed up with Oxfam and their Emergent Agency project. We highlight the stories of four changemakers that responded to the pandemic in new and innovative ways. From social entrepreneurs to movement leaders, what did they see, do and learn in these past two years? How did they adapt? And what does this tell us about how to move forward? This is our last episode of the series, and it's another inspiring story. We talked to Dizzi Carolino, a filmmaker in the Philippines who suddenly found herself a social entrepreneur during the peak of the pandemic. It all started with meeting Dorina and seeing how the pandemic left urban poor mothers without food and livelihoods. They teamed up and together built a vibrant enterprise called Veggies for Good that we want to learn all about. What drove them and what did they find on their way? A personal story of need, action and impact with relevant insights on emergent agency. So grab a coffee or tea and listen in on the conversation. Welcome, Dietzi. So good to have you. Thank you for making the time. Thank you for having me here to tell the story about Veggies Free Good. I'm really curious to hear more about the ins and outs of this, I mean, pretty impressive journey, I think, that you've been on. But before we do that, I want to ask you, how you are. I mean, I know it's been turbulent times where you're sitting. How are you finding yourself at the moment? As you and your listeners may know, I'm uh, from the Philippines and we just had our elections. It's been a very heartbreaking experience for us because now we find ourselves with the son of a dictator, Marcos Jr. as president-elect. And so we had such high hopes that we would have a very progressive, a champion of good governance candidate named Lenny Robredo. She's our vice president, and we all campaigned really hard for her. Mm. So everyone is almost like in various stages of grief, just dealing with this reality now that we are going to have the dictator's son as the new president. Yeah, it's really incredible. And I'm so sorry that is happening. Just sending you solidarity. I hope Mm -hmm. the rest of us and the rest of the world can somehow be supportive of everyone who works for human rights and and inclusive communities in the coming years. So just to send send our regards. And I think Mm -hmm. what we're going to discuss today is interesting because within a context that has been challenging politically, but it's also, of course, been challenging with the pandemic having a massive impact. You've managed to build something really beautiful. And I'm very curious to hear more of how that experiences have been, but also maybe what it might show us in moving forward. So that's what we'll be diving into today. And actually, I want to start with another personal question on you know, the past years have been so challenging, but also have been times of learning. If there's something very surprising that you've learned about yourself? Well, I'm a documentary filmmaker and I've always dealt with social issues. My stories have somehow always incorporated like 
social problems and a bit of the politics and how people struggle for social justice. And when the pandemic happened, it's like we were thrown into a course. I was actually looking for a subject to do for a film about the lockdown because I couldn't imagine just staying home, you know, and going through because everybody was advised to just stay home to try and arrest the spread of the virus and keep away from getting infected. But when you're at home and then just going through the news and getting more anxious every day, it's like there's no way I can stay home and just watch while things are unfolding. And you know that for many of our informal sectors, people who cannot eat unless they go out to work for the day, staying home for the duration of a lockdown that nobody had any idea how long the lockdown would be imposed. And so it's like, how, is, how are people ever going to manage? How are you going to eat? Even if you stay home for a day, that's going to be a problem for how you will eat the next day. But if it goes on and on, the days turning to weeks and the weeks turning to months, how are people going to eat? So I think after four or five days of just staying home and watching the news and listening to what was happening, it's like we had to go out and do something. And in the beginning, we were just giving dole out. We would like pack several kilos of rice, like maybe five kilos of rice in small bags to give to if we saw like someone who looked really lost and hungry on the streets. But then we realized later on that this was after a while, five sacks of rice will just be gone for all the hungry people that you meet out on the streets. So this is how we came up with Veggies for Good because it's the story of Dorina and all that. Tell me about the story of the meeting and then how you ended up working with her. The office where my husband works under the leadership thought of coming up with these shuttle buses so they could ferry the nurses and doctors to the hospitals. But one day, there were some seats that were still empty. And my husband saw this woman outside the buses and she really wanted to get on the bus. Her name is Dorina. And she was carrying a big bundle of vegetables and a big bundle of firewood. And she said, sir, if there is still a seat in your bus, can I get on it? I would like to ride on the bus to get to my house. So my husband took pity on her and allowed her to ride the bus. And if she wasn't able to ride the bus, she would have had to walk three hours bringing this heavy bundle of firewood and vegetables. So while she was on the bus, they were able to talk. And that was exactly her story. Her name is Dorina. She has six children. And the youngest of which is only a year old and who has asthma. And at that time, government was trying to give dole outs of maybe three kilos of rice that they would give maybe once in two months. But, you know, if you have a family of six, how long will three kilos of rice last? Every day, she would beg the policemen and the other guards in the checkpoints that tried to keep people from going out to work and beg them to let her through the checkpoints so she could walk three hours to the river and collect the vegetables, which she would sell in the nearby villages and then walk back to her house so she could feed her family. And my husband took pity on her. So he posted about it. And then some friends said, 
we'd like to help her. How can we send her, mm. you know, a sack of rice or help her in any way? And so when we were able to gather some help about a week, two weeks after, we visited her house. We didn't know exactly how to find her, but she rode again on the bus mm. one day. And so we were able to hook up with her. We visited, we went to her house along the slopes of uh, Rizal, which is like just outside the metro. And we were so proud because we had a sack of rice and we had some money and some tins, sardines that we could give to our family. But when we arrived there, so this is in a urban poor community. So you can imagine slums and Dorina came out of her house, but so did her sisters and their family and and her brothers and her Mm. mother. And we all had like this conversation, just trying to find out how they all were. And it turned out they were all in the same dire straits. Mm. So we were kind of embarrassed because when it was time to say goodbye, the sack of rice that we were so proud to give her, we said, okay, Dorina, this is only for your family, okay? So it would last you. We were hoping it would last her for about three weeks. But then she couldn't bear, of course, not to share the rice with her sisters and their families because they also had families who were hungry. And to cut a long story short, the sack of rice would only last for about five days. And that was it. After that, they Mm. were back to nothing. Around this time, a mountaineer friend of my husband was saying that he knew of a tribal community that had harvested some of their root crops, but they couldn't sell their crops because the markets nearby were all closed Mm. because of the lockdown and the orders were very strict about nobody could actually leave their houses to work. And so he said, is there a way that we can sell these products? Because obviously this community of indigenous people were also going hungry. And so my husband on a wing and a prayer just said, okay, let's bring their produce to the city proper and let's try to sell it in our village. And so he came down with five jeepney loads, mm. that's a, like a small truck, which we sold among our neighbors. And we sold some, but in the end, we still about had about half of the root crops that couldn't be sold. And so we said, we have to find a way to sell this because these were all, although they were root crops, after a week, they would spoil. Right. So we went to Facebook asked help from our prayer mates who knew how to put up a Facebook page and try and sell the goods to them. And we looked for a name. We said, okay, since these are vegetables and we're doing it for a common good, let's call it veggies for good. And that's how the social enterprise was born. Wow. Yeah, it's it's such an incredible story of a meeting by chance and then another meeting by chance because actually the Farmers were stuck with their produce and, and the women yes. working for food. And mm-hmm. then what happened next? So you, you decided to support both the farmers. So in the beginning, she, it was just her. And then, because obviously, it's not possible for her to be earning, but her siblings were not earning. So all of a sudden, we had like five people to support who would be selling the produce of the farmers. And that's how. We started with a little bit of, of this five urban poor people 
trying to just selling the root crops from the farmers. And then when we, we told this story and put it on Facebook and the response was quite, you know, that feeling when, when people are in the pandemic and this is a very new thing that you're not able to get out of the house. And if you're middle class or if you are a salaried person and you can work from home, then you enjoy that luxury of, okay, we can last, you know, even if we don't have to go out. But they also felt that they wanted to help, but they didn't know how Mm -hmm. to help. And so when they read the story, which we put out on Facebook, and then a couple of newspapers online also put out the story, we said, we need your help. (laughs) Because this is the only way we can really help Dorina and the Dumagats. This is the indigenous community. We need to help them sustainably. And not through just giving dole outs. And even the local government could not provide a regular supply of of the rice. So that's how it came to be. We just knew that we had to find a way of becoming sustainable. Some of it you were selling online, actually, to middle class, I think, communities. Because that's also interesting. These different communities meeting, if the farmers, the urban poor, but you also have the middle class communities Mm -hmm. that are both helping out, but I think also buying the goods. Did you also have like physical market spaces or how can I imagine the business running, let's say? We tried to combine it because we had the online shop through Facebook, but at the same time, there were what we call posh villages, you know, subdivisions where upper middle class families lived and they wanted to see the goods. And the way of trying to combine it is, okay, we have an online shop, but but sometimes if you don't really know the shop yet, so long as you bring the goods to their villages and they can see whether the vegetables are fresh or the fruits are fresh, then they're willing to buy. I felt that this combination of selling fruits and vegetables online and having the physical markets was a good combination. And then depending on the alert levels for the lockdown or the incidence of infections, then one or the other would somehow make up for the loss of the other market. Yeah, because of course you're starting a new, in this case, social enterprise in the midst of a a pandemic that no one knew, mm. you know, how it would yes. go and, and laws are changing and uh, the context mm. is changing. Can you say a little bit more about how that was? I mean, not only were you doing something completely new, but also mm. the, the context was obviously quite challenging. What were some of those experiences or maybe obstacles that you had to overcome? How did that work? Well, the biggest obstacle is like, you know, my husband is a developmental lawyer and I'm a filmmaker. So neither of us had any marketing experience. Mm. So that was really our biggest dilemma, our biggest obstacle. It's almost like maybe because we didn't have a business or management or marketing experience, we were very conservative in the way we operated. We were so conscious that whatever profit or return we would get hopefully would go mostly to the mothers Hmm. and to also making sure that the enterprise would be sustainable. Although we tried looking, we were not able to hire like a marketing manager, someone who could just kind of grow the uh, customer base. And we just said, okay, we need to make sure that there's always money 
so that we could continue hiring the mothers. Surprisingly, we discovered that the online orders would go up and the demand would be higher when the restrictions became, became stronger. And then when people got vaccinated and the alert levels kind of lowered and the restrictions were lifted, we actually told the mothers, if you want, you can actually go back to whatever jobs you were doing before. And uh, because we can only operate three days a week, you might actually prefer to go back to the informal sector because before they joined us, Dorina, for example, she was saying, no, ma'am, I'm really happy with this. This is the first time I feel that I have a job. I said, what? You've been working all these years to support your children. You, you think this is the first time you've had a mm. job? And he says, in the past, she says, I would do whatever it takes to survive. If it's to scavenge for scraps of metal or bottles or plastic. And then if during the rainy season, I would sell umbrellas. I would also sell vegetables, whatever it takes. But I never quite know how much I'm going to bring home, if I'm going to bring home anything at all at the end of the day. Not like now that I'm working with Veggies for Good. I know that at the end of the day, I am going to bring home this much. So I can plan. Yeah. And now I am sure that my family will not go hungry. And I can save up for little extras that we need. And so she said she's very grateful for this kind of a setup. And they all continued to stay with us. It makes you realize that pre-pandemic, I mean, the lives were, were pretty tough. And then, of course, in the pandemic, that wasn't even possible at all. But I guess it also makes a lot of people more aware of the life that many people were living. And because of the insecurity, you're not really able to budget properly. Did you have an idea of how long you would continue or how it would become well, sustainable? For us, we just thought that, okay, while this, because we basically jumped, it was like a leap of faith. As I said, this is not our field totally, me and my husband. And I'm just really glad that the mothers are so good at this. They've had experience selling vegetables before. And pretty much it's like, you know, when you're a very practical mother and you just look for good vegetables, make sure they are fresh, and then you fulfill the orders and then pack them nicely, and then you are honest and in your dealings with customers. I mean, we try to always please our customers because we know that the jobs of the mothers are dependent on it. And now, because my husband and I were both very active in the election campaign mm. to try and, and get the progressive opposition leader to win. And we just like said, okay, mothers, you're in charge now. And they did so well. Mm. We're just so happy that, okay, they can actually manage without us. But uh, we know because not all of them are, they, they can do Facebook. But, you know, to do online marketing is a different ballgame. Yeah. So yes. moving forward, now that the elections are over, we really need to find, I think, a very good marketing manager to make sure that whoever wants to stay on and continue working. We have about eight people now who are dependent on the veggies for good. And we just need to find a way to make it sustainable for the eight. Do you foresee like a moment where you would step out completely? Right now, we are excited at the idea of 
building uh, socialized housing because this is really the mother's biggest worry. There's always anxiety on their part. You know, for the poor, basic services are a lot more expensive mm -hmm. than for the middle class or the rich. So their water is so much more expensive than our water. Like for my husband and myself, we only pay about 150 pesos. That would be about $3 a month for water. But for Dorina, she pays about so 3,000 pesos for her water. Mm, wow. 3,000 divided by 50 is that $60. That's, That's how crazy. much she spends. This is something that will be difficult to do if the mothers will do it just by themselves. Because yeah. as of now, it's really almost like surviving. But if there are emergencies, like one mother her granddaughter got bitten by a dog and then they have mm. to go to hospital and then spend this much just to get all the anti-rabies, anti-tetanus shots. Or another mother starting to get really bad headaches and then it turns out that she has a tumor. So it's always this kind of emergencies yeah. that they need to prepare for. And, and somehow this hand-holding that we have with them to just make sure that whatever happens, we have some money that we can lend out easily that they can pay at no interest and in terms that are workable for them so there's still this hand-holding yeah and you um, might also have a network that you can rely on or that you can ask well, for information yeah, and, and support but right now we are enrolling them in a cooperative hmm. that is also in our part of the city so Later, you know, they don't have to rely on us for like emergency health services or even insurance for whatever other emergencies that emerge. But for the housing, that's the thing that we really feel that, okay, we need to get this going in the next couple of years. Because for the urban poor, housing is your biggest point of insecurity, livelihood and housing. I guess that's something that you knew, but that became even more evident during this work you did with them are these surprises or did you learn anything everything we learn as we go along a big surprise for us was everything can stop during a lockdown but food will always be in demand <laughs> yes. and food they will always make an exception of so when we were thinking okay what can we do in order to support them we noticed that while everything was quiet in the city the only thing that could go around was food. So we said, okay, this is a good industry to develop if we want to provide jobs for the mothers. Mm -hmm. So that's one surprise. The other, of course, is like, okay, you may not know anything about marketing, but you just learn as you go along. Sometimes we would go, my husband and I, we would go, okay, there are these short courses on Facebook about how to do digital marketing. Thirdly, we also realized that Many things you're not sure you're capable of doing, you just have to take a leap of faith. If you feel that there is a call for help, then you try to respond. And even if you feel like, okay, this isn't my field of expertise at all, and you feel insecure, but if you see that people are hungry, it's a good enough reason to at least try. Mm. And somehow the universe or God will send people and resources your way that will help you through. Another mm -hmm. lesson that we learned was as much as you want to help, sometimes you do have to exercise tough love 
because quality control is so important that even if we wanted to help, for example, this indigenous community, but if they were giving us, maybe because out of desperation, sometimes they would give us avocados with, that weren't ripe enough. In the beginning, it's everything just feels so desperate. But even if you're desperate, the way to keep it sustainable is you need to be strict about quality control. So we said, okay, we need to exercise tough love because if we don't do this, our mothers will lose their jobs. The customers will stop buying from you. Another lesson that we learned is you have to constantly innovate. So in the beginning, there was a group that said, okay, we need also fish and meat to go with the vegetables because they also wanted protein to go with it. Okay, so we need to have protein and we tried selling meat as well. We just respond and learn and try to innovate as we go along. And then our last lesson was always like, you know, when things get really rough, and you almost want to give up because it, it takes a toll on you. And then you start thinking, okay, why did you put this up in the first place? So that was a big lesson for us that when things get too difficult and frustrating, you must always go back to your why. Yeah. And then that kind of, okay, calm down and let's try and solve this problem. Yeah, that's a really important insight. And I also recognize that so important to remember why you're doing something and I guess there are times when sometimes you don't see it because things get rough but I guess there are also those moments I mean do you have one of those moments where you really thought ah yes this is why I'm doing this when you see the mothers and they've come to expect I mean it's not easy to say okay instead of six mothers we can only hire four mothers now because we only have 10 orders 10 online orders or 15 online orders now and that's heartbreaking so you know you have to keep at it we started out talking a bit about the difficult political context and and in general i mean post-pandemic i'm i'm sure that as in many other countries, the economic situation is not great. How do you take these lessons that are many and really rich? How do you take these forwards? Yeah, is there something that you think you can build on, both in terms of developing veggies for good, but also in, in other contexts, in other work that you're, you're doing? Because I'm constantly balancing documentary filmmaking and then also managing a social enterprise. And in many ways, because the skill sets are so different mm. <laughs> for filmmaking, it's something that really challenges you creatively. And then uh, Veggies for Good, it's um, very concrete, very gut level, also very practical problems that you need to find solutions to because there are eight people who are kind of depending on you I don't really feel that kind of pressure with filmmaking. You need to find solutions. You need to find practical ways of improving your marketing and widening your customer base. There's such it's different ways of making change happen, I guess. Mm -hmm. And one is so much more direct and one is kind of, you know, seems bigger, but it's also more abstract maybe or, or less yes. direct. I can kind of relate to that. The way that you get fulfilled is so different for one or the other. Because yeah. your films, it might be, you know, instrumental in getting a, for example, a bill passed that will help kids who are in jail. 
but it takes a long time. This one, it's almost like instant gratification. If you do the work well, then you see that the mothers are able to save enough so they can now buy a washing machine. And they're so happy with the washing machines when they go home. They're really happy when they get their one sack of rice that we give every month for free. And it's a different kind of fulfillment. It's more immediate. Yeah. And maybe the combination is actually really nice. I mean, I've been thinking about this a lot recently, that it's it's also nice to be very rooted and to have that very direct engagement, even though it comes with a different type of stress and responsibility. And before we round up, I would like to also know what makes you most proud of what you managed to accomplish with Veggies for Good? When my husband and I became so involved in the campaign, the elections, the mothers had to fend for themselves. And I'm really proud that they did so well. They managed to make it survive. They man- So this is over a period of seven months during the campaign. Yeah. So they've kept it going. We have a little profit. And the profit is we have saved enough, I feel, for us to start thinking seriously that we can begin with a housing project. I'm really proud that the mothers also, they are able to bring an income in the family that is substantial. So their husbands are working, but for Durina, she is really the main breadwinner because the husband had an injury for construction. So she is the breadwinner of her family. She has been able to support them. Uh, they're very proud with, to say that with the savings that they've had from work with Veggies for Good, they are able to do repairs, fix their homes, uh, mm-hmm. do a little repair to make sure that it's more sturdy. Three of the mothers have been able to have like this water pipeline directly into their homes. And for many of the mothers, because some students are also very interested in their experience. So we've had occasions where they are resource persons. So the mothers going on Zoom meetings, being interviewed by students and interns of uh, schools that are curious about this social enterprise. And even with the Oxfam interview, so they've had uh, Zoom meetings, Dorina and her sisters talking to interviewers and just sharing their experience with our social enterprise. That's amazing. And that must be a very important experience for them as well. Too. It's empowering. And indeed, you mentioned it. It's, oh. This story has also been written up as part of the Emergent Agency project. So people can read mm-hmm. more uh, if they want. We'll share that in the show notes. Yeah, there is one other thing because there was a time during the, okay, another very tight lockdown when people were really hungry. And then a young woman had this idea to put up a community pantry. What the community pantry does really is to have vegetables that people donate and people can line up and then just get the vegetables for free. And one of our mothers, Medina, this is uh, Dorina's sister, was saying that, you know, mom, I'm so proud because we would put up the community pantries also. Like someone would say, okay, I want to buy vegetables that that I want to share with 100 people in this community. Our mothers would be the ones to bring these goods to the communities and uh, distribute them to whoever is in need. And Medina, one of our mothers, was saying, you know, ma'am, I'm so proud because now 
there was a time when we would be the ones lining up, queuing to try and get rice and some tin cans for food. And we would line up, you know, queue up. But now we are the ones giving to these mothers who are lining up. And when they say, oh, thank you so much for the rice and the vegetables. Says, so that's how it feels. And it's a really good feeling, ma'am. It's impressive how something like that can be truly life-changing, as it sounds like. And that also shows, I think, that whatever happens, this will have a lasting impact on the women, on their families, and you know, maybe the communities they live in. So congratulations on seeing that need and getting out of your comfort zone, doing something completely new. And thank you also so much for sharing that story with us, because I think it provides some really inspiring, but also relevant insights on how we can make change happen and how we can address some of the injustices and inequalities that we see today. So thank you, Ditsi, for for sharing your story. I don't know if there's something else you'd like to add before we round up. Well, it's just that we never really know what we can do until we are stretched and we move out of that comfort zone. And the times they have a way of like just calling and how you respond will determine if you will grow as well or whether you keep on with just what you are comfortable with. So I'm also glad that this happened. Of course, during the days when things get frustrating, <laughs> you don't quite see the bigger picture. But I'm glad that we have this talk. And then, you know, it's a chance also to look back and see that, oh my goodness, we're still alive. Two years later and we're still alive. And we hope that we can continue on and be sustainable and learn as we go along. And this is going to be a new phase if we go into the socialized housing that's actually a part that I'm quite excited because I like the design bits. Mm. <laughs> the marketing, okay, we have to find someone. <laughs> I can relate that. to that, yes. <laughs> but the design, I'm quite excited and we'll see where it goes. So I like the idea of taking a leap of faith. No, <laughs> oh, thank you for sharing that. And I, I'm very excited to stay updated of what will happen with the housing project and how the enterprise will evolve. So thank you again, Ditsi, for being with us today, for sharing your story. And of course, also the story of the many women involved in, in Veggies for Good that sound truly inspiring. And I think it's a real example of emergent agency, you know, that's in the title of this project, with people seeing a need, getting out of their comfort zone, coming together across very different communities and doing something new, innovating along the way. So thanks again. Thank you. <laughs> and then I will thank our listeners today for joining our episode. If you enjoyed the conversation, please subscribe, leave a review and share with others as it will greatly help this conversation grow. If you want to learn more about the initiatives that you heard today, please check our show notes and get in touch with any ideas you might have. So thank you again for listening and take care. Ciao. <laughs>